Welcome to the Loss and Lifting Talk podcast. The show is created to help you find your confidence by breaking down the complicated science of training and nutrition and turning it into simple, but more importantly, practical solutions that you can implement right away to start creating real results inside your body composition. We don't stop there either. We dive into the mental aspect of fitness to not only build a better body, but a better life all around. Podcasts were the medium where I learned and grew as an individual more than any other place in my life. The goal of this podcast is to give that back to you to start building the exact body and life that you know you're capable of. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Chaz, what is going on, dude? How you doing, man? Good, bro. It's good to be back. I know. It is good to be back. I've been excited to um, to record today. It doesn't feel like it's been that long since we recorded last time, though. It was, was that just a couple weeks ago? I feel like that was just eight. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Have oh, you man, really what, though? What's that? Have you really been excited, though? A little bit, yeah. You? <laughs> <laughs> no? <laughs> Bro, I don't know why your answers on your Q&A <laughs> were just cracking me up so much. Like, that person that person the person that asked tips for waking up earlier, and you said set an alarm, <laughs> and that was it. I don't know why. That shit just killed me. <laughs> <laughs> I got more like more replies to that one little story than I've gotten on anything else I think I've ever posted on my IG story. And like, if I don't even remember who it was that asked that question first. Um, I apologize. I wasn't trying to be a dick, wow. but like sometimes the answer is just the answer. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so um, yeah, I thought I, I, I was just kind of being funny, like kind of a smart act, but at the same time, like I couldn't think of any better way to put it. So yeah. it just kind of was what it was. <laughs> <laughs> that cracked me up so much. Uh, anyways, what's been going on, dude? Uh, not a lot, man. Just um, training and working and living life as usual. It's starting to get hot as hell in St. <laughs> George. I don't love the heat either. So nope. no, I'm not a big heat guy whatsoever. So it's definitely starting to get warm. We spent the weekends at the lake. I'm sunburned. You see my stomach. It's it's so red, but, um, yeah, man, just been hanging out, doing a lot of, uh, training. I've still been taking that super seriously and, and, uh, living life, dude. How, how about that vest you got on? What's going on with that thing? I saw your Instagram post every time I see you on, um, just on like IG stories or podcasts and stuff. You always got that vest on too. So talk me through that situation. So, right. Our last episode was like, I think I ordered it right after we recorded our last episode. We just started talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is a cool idea. I want to do it. Um, Yeah, so this is just a 15-pound vest. Uh, And I don't think I realized. So we talked about the idea on the last episode. But basically, like so much of your metabolism is related to how much your body weighs, right? Like it takes a heavier or moving a heavier body through space, through training, through everything just requires more calories, right? So one of the metabolic adaptations to dieting is the fact that simply your body's getting smaller, right? Like your body weighs less, so thus you burn more calories through most everything you do. Um, so we're kind of replacing that with weight in the vest. And also there's this, um, it's thought that outside of leptin, like it's, it was thought before that leptin was like primarily our body's like body fat regulating hormone, right? Like mm-hmm. leptin levels are low. We're constantly going to be pretty hungry. Um, leptin levels are high. Our body tells us like, okay, we have a decent amount of fat, like in most simple terms. But then it's also thought that the actual like, and it's only rodent studies that they've done, but they like inserted uh, like metal pellets like inside of these rats. So it's basically like they were wearing a weight vest. And, um, it was interesting, like basically it sped up their metabolism and they removed them. They like got chunkier again. It was a very cool concept, but it's all like very unproven. Um, Um, so (laughs) I pulled, and then my coach Steve was, is doing this as well because he's getting ready for a bodybuilding show. So I wanted him to kind of guide me through it. So pulled the trigger on a 15 pound weight vest, um, a lot bigger commitment than I initially. Yeah, I bet. Oh yeah, this is going to be dope. So basically what I've been doing is, um, wearing it's just six hours a day, which doesn't seem like a huge amount. But the thing is for this, like the, the main like, uh, benefits to like with movement would be like, okay, where am I with us on the walks? Right. But with this, yeah. this like theory that if your body, because again, like with the rats, like the, the thought process was like outside of left in this other regulatory um, mechanism was the actual like sense of weight, like added weight on your bones. Right. 
So for this to like, for me just standing here to actually get the benefits of it, I have to be standing. So I've been standing at my desk six hours a day. Um, You're not sitting, you're standing. So I'm standing six hours a day at the desk. Um, And again, like it was the first, when I got, I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be dope. And then after the first day, I was like, fuck, this is, (laughs) (laughs) this is a lot bigger commitment than I realized, but I already made a post about it. Uh, I had to get like the most expensive vest I could find. So it's a I'm I'm in on it. So it took me like a week, dude. The first week, my because when and I know we talked about this last time as well. Like when I gained fat, it's like almost it's mostly in my lower body, right? Mm-hmm. So for me to like add 15 pounds to my upper body, my lower back, my hips were the first week was like, really? Yeah, it was it was it was a so it took a bit of time, to, and that's what Steve said as well. Same thing with like my traps were just wrecked. Yeah. Um, out of the first week, honestly, dude, it hasn't been, it's been a lot more manageable. It was kind of a grind to get through that, but now it's, it's not bad. Um, so what, I think I'm like right at two weeks in now, two and a half weeks in, we took it for, we went to Sedona and I, and I was like, well, I can't, like, we're going to be on the car all day outside of that. Uh, so I just like threw the weights, uh, in a, uh, backpack and like you know, took care of water balls and shit as well. That was pretty rough, dude. Um, when did you go to Sedona? Like yesterday. Or no, oh, Sunday. Cool. Sunday? Sunday, yeah, Sunday. Just for the two day? Mm-hmm. I mean, cool. Sedona's only two hours away. That's right, that's right. If you'd ever come visit, you'd know that, dude. I <laughs> know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of brutal. Also, my, the thing with that was, it was interesting, was, like, normally when I go on a hike, it would be like, okay, maybe I'm a little bit gassed, but not too bad. And also, I think it was just a higher altitude. But my legs were just on fire, bro. Were they? <laughs> and I had like that, like shaky, jittery. Like it, it was, it was surprising, man. Um, and to be but, on less food, like that's got to make it even harder. You know what I mean? Like it's brutal on both ends. Like you don't really get a break. <laughs> no, for sure. It's interesting. Uh, really, I don't think my rate of loss has sped up too much yet. That's what I was gonna ask. Which is, I mean, it's a small sample size. So the thing is, too, like we had friends here. Um two weekends ago and so like i had one re- i had a refeed day that weekend so i had like more alcohol um lasagna so i was holding more water after that but like let's see i think i've lost like three and a half pounds in the last two weeks so it's really? more like did you start the deficit during when you started wearing that because haven't you been dieting for a little bit longer than that yeah so i'm just about to wrap up week nine of dieting. week nine so how how long are you go- how much longer do you have? Mm, I want to get to like two hundred five. The initial plan was like ten weeks, so I'm down nineteen pounds. Again, today's the last day of week nine. Your face looks leaner. Thank you, dude. Yeah. Um, that's what everybody nice, said. Nice jawline coming through. <laughs> you like that? Um, <laughs> no, uh, I want to get back to like two hundred five, man, because I want to have a long runway for building. It is dieting, but. To bring it back to the weight of vest, like, so I'll, we'll probably push it to, I mean, right now I'm losing about two pounds per week. I would even be like, I'd be good with getting a little bit more aggressive to like keep at that rate. And I mean, like, I'll probably see 212 tomorrow. So what, another three weeks of diet. So maybe it's a 12 to 13 week diet instead of a 10 week diet. So like, not that much longer. No, no. But I mean, all in all, it's gone pretty well. How's, but again, um, how's hunger? Like, are you starting to get hungrier? Like, how's all your biofeedback coming back? Like, the last week, hunger has ramped up. Because, like, before I wore this, I hadn't – I don't think I really had felt hungry on the diet. Really? But last week, like – and which I feel like that was when my body was, like, really getting used to this. Like, right at that same time, hunger has ramped way up. So, that, that's been interesting. Which, again, it's, it's Maybe that's like, a good sign. Like, yeah. I don't know. But I, I don't know, man. So I, I would say the verdict is still out on the weight vest. James Krieger did such an interesting, like, because he had a bodybuilder that, like, went through an entire contest prep, and he dieted on, on. But this dude, like, wore it 95% of his day, which initially I thought I was going to do, but I, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, like a it's, lot. It, it's, it is, like, and I know he, like, wore it when he lifted and everything. Um, I don't know. I'll talk to – I have my check with Steve today, and we'll see what the move is from here. But – it's, it's been interesting to see, man. I'm interested to see, like, again, I had that. It was kind of bad timing to align that with the repeat day because that always, like, 
throws me off for sure. I feel like yeah. it was it wasn't like I was like smashing food or anything of that nature. Like it was all still within reason and within like the targets, but still it's like kind of throws your date off a little bit. Whereas like this week rate of loss has been a little bit quicker than before. So we'll see. Oh dude, that's cool. I've been I've been thinking about going through well I don't know. I keep getting torn. I just need to hire a coach, honestly, like just to set me something up so that I can't go back and forth and, and create my, create my plan on my own, on my own time frame. What's that? You've been saying that for like two years. I know. I know. (laughs) You're right. It is time. I need to do something at some point, not for just basically just for the accountability piece, like just for the structure piece to it. But, um, but yeah, man, no, that's, that's uh super cool. I, I don't know if when I'm dieting, like I'm already in such a scarce mindset around food and like preserving energy. I'm kind of a baby at this point. I used to be super hardcore. I, I like I've had that conversation with you. Like I kept myself very low calorie for a good amount of time, like a two to three year period at one point. And I think I just wrecked my mentality around dieting. So like whenever I go into a deficit personally, like I'm very scarce minded, like, okay, how long is this going to take? Like I'm preserving all my energy. Like I get kind of ornery cause I'm on less food. Like I just, I don't do a very good job with it at this point. So then adding that stress of the vest on top of it, no way I would go, I'd go insane. <laughs> yeah, dude, it is. I think basically it's a cool thing for me to make content around. And yeah. Like it's- it's fun. Like I'm, I've been stoked for the blog that I'm right about this. And like, I'm going to have Steve on and we'll like talk about, like, we'll go back and forth about it. Like that, that shit just is fires me up. Um, I would say from like what I've experienced so far, like the juice probably isn't worth the squeeze, but, and it's to be determined. But again, like there's like, like that again, like the Krieger breakdown is fucking crazy from like the changes that that dude saw from like, he like, he got contest shaped lean and with like, on like it was i think it was close to 900 calories more than he had in the past like per day like he never even i read that in your post i think yeah dude it was so it was so interesting but i mean he like actually went up to like past his previous body weight so i I don't know man we'll see again i think it's also probably too early for me to say that um if you were to hire a coach who would you hire i don't know i don't know like i go back and forth on that in a few different ways because um Actually, just Alex and I have been having that conversation because um, I pushed him to reach out and, and hire a coach as well, like just to start working with some other um, good names in the industry. Like he's working. I talked to you about that. I think I think we, we might have mentioned Cody. that in the last podcast. He's working with Cody from N1. Um, and so for me, it's like, do I be selfish and do I hire somebody like for my own selfish reasons that I want to work with or do I go out and hire other coaches um, f- that are doing similar things as I'm doing, like to see other people's systems and other people's methods that they're using with the same type of clients that I, that I work with. Right. Because like me as a client is I'm different than the clients that work with us, if that makes sense. And so like, it's trying to figure that out. Like that's, what's been stopping me more than anything is trying to figure that out. Like, do I just be selfish and do it for my own personal gain? Or do I like do it to be a better coach and build like a better business, not necessarily a better business, but just get more business idea for the entrepreneurial side of things, if that makes sense. No, I get it, man. That's a good insight too, dude. I think that if there's anything that's like slowed business for like, for like my company, it's, I get too, I sometimes get too deep into like what is super interesting and like, like what I'm learning. And that's like all I create stuff about where it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it is cool, but it's like not speak. And that's, I think like every, go ahead. I was just gonna say, it's not advantageous to marketing. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's cool for you, but it's not like your ideal client isn't necessarily like there are a few steps behind you. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's not quite as, I totally get what there's, you're saying. There's like a point every three months where, okay, leads are like new clients are coming in quickly, right? Like things are growing. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we kind of like, things are slowing down a lot. What's going on? And every time it's like, fuck, like I've been doing that same thing again where I'm, like, <laughs> I'm literally just creating stuff that I'm like, I'm learning and excited about rather than like considering, okay, what are the people that I'm helping? Like, what do they, like, what actually speaks to them? Is it like at their level? And again, it's it's interesting how repetitive of a cycle that is because I swear it's like every, every three to four months, it's like there's a week where it's like, like what the fuck is going on? Like, 
<laughs> you know, like things are going mm-hmm. so quickly and then all of a sudden it's like, it's, and it's weird how that works, man. But I struggle with the same thing, man, because when it comes to marketing and content, like the best marketers and the best content providers in the game, in my opinion, are just repeating the same stuff over and over and over and they're finding different angles to come at it and they've got like four to five different angles at four to five different topics and that's all that they talk about over and over and it works and it brings people in right but like just as you said what i find myself doing is is doing that and the well the well-oiled machine is moving in the right direction and i get bored of the content and so like i try to change it up and then the content goes to shit and then um like my reach lessons and then like that same thing happens. And then I realize, okay, what's happened here? I need to go back a couple months when things were going really well. What was I doing? Go back into that. Things go really well. I get a little bit bored. <laughs> and It's like just re- rinse and repeat that cycle um, over the long term. But it's, it's super hard because for us, like you love training and nutrition just as much. Like you're genuinely intrigued by it. Like you genuinely enjoy it and it's a hobby as much as it, as it is a profession for you. You know what I mean? So like, and I would say that's what makes you a really good coach. But then when it comes to the marketing piece of it, like when you're not always looking at it as just a business and you're looking at it for like enjoyment too, um, they're not always like, they're kind of counterintuitive in some ways. And that's the thing. I feel like if you look at like, I'm not sure who like who's like content you love, but like if I look at the people whose content I love, they're not, and it's like they, like that fires me up to just create some dope ass content. But they're not like the people that have the biggest coaching business, right? Yeah. It's like it's it's very interesting how that how that works. I think that's for me. That's like, and I like have notes everywhere that like like in my phone, um, on my computer. Like I had it on my marker for a while, like. Just sort of like remind myself, like, hey, like if things aren't going as quickly, like remember this, but I still always forget it. So, yeah, it is tough. I'm interested in that from you. Who's, um, whose content do you find yourself just genuinely intrigued with that you like to follow? Mm. I, I love, I love in one's content. I know we've talked about them a lot. I really like Jeff Nippert's content. Um, I would say for him, not so much the information as like the delivery of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like his is ve- YouTube to me is a super interesting thing as well. Um, as of late, because I do feel like it's somewhere like people can grow very quickly, and it's cool. YouTube? Yeah, you think they can grow very quickly? I mean, if you look at like your so, if you look at like okay, so Google Google owns. YouTube, yep. right? So like, I actually have a business, I have a question, like one of our questions is related to this, so we can dig into that as well. But like, okay, so for me, so like Google is very much going to favor, Google owns YouTube, and like no. they want to kind of use the platforms like synergistically. So for like me, like, if I have a blog that has like a uh, high quality, like if, there, if there's videos, like YouTube videos linked up in it as well, a blog always performs better, which is like, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you, and do you remember when I was taking the SEO course a couple yeah. of months ago? Yeah, I remember. It's very interesting to like, so not necessarily like as a YouTube influencer, like, like Christian Guzman or like, like the OG, like bodybuilders. I think that's probably pretty challenging to do, but like, I think there is more from like what I've seen, there's more opportunity for like random things to like pop off and get a lot of exposure relative to what I've seen on like probably like, like kind of like how t- I don't know, TikTok's probably an over exaggeration, but like, like random interviews with, I should have rephrased that. So I would say like if you're vlogging on YouTube, probably a little bit more challenging, but it does seem like, like organic reach is a little bit easier to come by on YouTube because basically people haven't gotten as deep into like, um, okay. So like, like again, the SEO course, we're digging through like, okay, here's how we like tag, like all these different set things. And like, if you go like, look at all the top videos, they're all like Scott Herman videos from like eight to 10 years ago. Yep. And like, we can do all these things now to where we like tag it, we can cross link and all this stuff to like, if you understand YouTube a little, like you can vary. So like from, I should say like from an, if you look at it from like an SEO perspective, we're probably like losing half our audience right now <laughs> from like an SEO perspective. I think YouTube has a lot of like uh, blue ocean still because people haven't really tapped that side of it. There's like 
the influencers that crush it again, like Christian Guzman and all these people that started like 12 years ago. And then, but like past that, it's not like, it's kind of like. So the educational not, side, is that what you're saying? Like educational content has the chance to pop off? Mm, sort of. I would say again, like actually getting deep with like, okay, so like when we do, when we write a blog, right. And there's so much more than to like, just put information on the paper. Right. It's like, okay, I'm doing all this research on keywords. Like what things do I want to make sure I've tagged up here? Like all my backlinks, things like that. People haven't taken that approach to YouTube yet. Thus, like, I think if you do that now, also I say that, but I'm not actually doing that. So just for the SEO purposes of being able to type it in on Google and have it show up just as like your, because your business, um, this is interesting, and I bet a lot of people don't even realize this. Your clients obviously would, and I didn't realize it about your business, which is very different than mine, is that your business – this will be valuable for coaches to understand too – is like for you, the business that you've built has come off of SEO and off of blogs and mainly off of your website as opposed to my my business has built off of – pretty much off of social media, right? Like it started off of Instagram, TikTok um, blew up and that like turned into my, um, main platform, right. To where most of my clientele comes from and whatnot is social media based to where most of your clientele comes from is like longer form articles that you're writing on your website. So this is like the exact question that I got. Do you want to just, oh, really? yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. I mean, we might as well. It's a perfect segue. This was in my DMS, but I thought it was just, it's a question that I get. I, we both get business questions quite a bit. And do you, do you still take on mentor clients? Uh huh. I just brought on, um, I brought on two last month, two ladies that um, I'm helping with in their business. Okay, cool, cool. So I would say, like, if you want further business, like, I've had a couple of people ask, and I business mentoring, I realized in 2020, just like isn't really my thing. So definitely hit up mm-hmm. Chaz. That is like something more in depth you're looking for because I know you crush that as well. But yeah. um, she basically asked, um, well, she asked if I did consultation calls. And like, basically like, yeah, I'm happy to like hop on a call and chat, but again, like business coaching isn't my thing at all. Um, then she, so I asked like kind of the direction she wanted to take things. And she said, um, really just your beginning lessons learned with online coaching. I'm currently doing a hybrid model of in-person and online, but really I'm trying to push more business to online. So has it just been consistency for you when first growing your online space? So basically she was just asking like how I went about growing my online space and like what how that happened like was it just consistency or what the quote-unquote secret was yeah i would say like instead of telling you exact i'll tell you how i did it but i would tell you if i could go back how i would do it starting over um would be more of basically how i started is in the blog space and getting a very good understanding of seo and long form articles while getting very consistent with um, social media, obviously, obviously as well, because social media is going to be like that short-term grab where you're going to be able to turn over some clientele potentially in a in a faster pace. Most likely, you'll be able to grow faster through social media than you will when first starting with SEO and like long-form articles, in my opinion. Um, but with time, like I think you need a well balance of both. I think that longer-form content is like what builds your foundation and the longevity of your business through like. Um, SEO through Google, through podcasts. Like for me, one of my, my long form type of content at the moment, I'm not doing many blogs or anything like that. It's podcasting where people can come and get like deep thoughts from me and learn more about me as a person. That's not like the quick snidbit stuff that you can get on IG. And I know this is going to be here forever, right? As opposed to like IG or TikTok, those posts are relevant for a few days. And then it kind of like just goes away. It's nothing that's relevant anymore. And you have to always stay on top of that kind of content as opposed to longer form stuff that can live through SEO, that can live through um, on the back end of your website. That's stuff that will be searchable forever when somebody goes onto Google and types something in. It's going to help you build a foundation of leads over the long term. And so like if you're a newer coach and you're thinking, where should I start? Everybody's first initial instinct is Instagram or TikTok or whatever it may be, which those are viable places to go. But if you're wanting to build a long-term sustainable business, it's going to come down to putting work in on the back end with longer form content, either in form of, as Jeremiah said, YouTube is a really great place to do that. So is um, podcasting as well as blogs on the back end. And so um, that would be my two cents because at the end of the day, like for me, do I want to be posting on social media for the rest of my life? 
Absolutely not. The ideal posting on social media isn't something that I do because I love to post on social media, right? Like I'm not on there because I love the attention and I'm like trying to get likes. And this is like, I'm not trying to be an influencer. I'm trying to, it's helping me build my business by me doing basically just content marketing and just helping people for free. Right. And then with time that builds trust, but as opposed to longer form stuff, if it's searchable, people will be able to search that forever. As opposed to Instagram or TikTok, you're going to have to be posting for the rest of your life to stay relevant on those apps to continue getting clients. And so one big shift that I see for myself in the next, like I see some guys doing it. Like I look at a, a Jordan Syatt. I see him doing this right now. Like he's pulling off of social media platforms a little bit and he's mm-hmm. just going more like long form. And because he's put in the long form content work for so long, you know that like he has a sustainable business model off of the back end of that long form stuff. So he can pull off of the social media stuff. So like for me in the next five years, I would love to pull back on the social media stuff as like I take the next five years to really take SEO much more seriously and podcasting much more seriously. Um, and that sort of thing to build just more of a sustainable model that doesn't force me to have to be on the front end um, posting on social media when I'm 40, 50, 60 years old. And I'll probably always do it a little bit, but like I just want to get to a point to where I don't have to do it every single day if I don't want to do it, if that makes sense. No, for sure. I, I, it's interesting how I think a lot of people who show up every day on social media i just really don't actually like social media at all mm-hmm. like I, I never posted i never even checked instagram before i started like posting for um like my business i just yeah it's, it's, weird. it's truly weird how much that changes um man i would say yeah i think that's that's very good insight so like when i first started trying to go my shit and straight up i will say as well like I think I'm, I don't like whatever it is that like causes people to to just blow up on Instagram is like not a thing that I have. (laughs) Cause like, it's, I don't think it's like from, it's not a thing anymore. Like that's what I think people have to realize too on Instagram. It's not a thing anymore, right? Like people aren't getting on Instagram and blowing up unless they're collabing with other people who have big followings. But for you to think you're going to start from zero and build up without like a bunch of shareable content from other people with big followings, like you're not going to grow that big because they pulled away that organic reach. Or if you want to pay advertising, you can do it that way. That's why I moved to, like I found the opportunity on TikTok was because the engagement organically was so great there that I was able to build 150,000 followers in, in 18 months compared to I've been posting on Instagram for six years and it's much less than that. So yeah. like there's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And like you, I mean, you have a pretty decent size following on Instagram too, but like, when did you start, you started posting content in 2015 on Instagram, Mm -hmm. 2015, 2016. Yeah. Right around there is when we started posting. I didn't take it seriously throughout that whole time. I wish I would have, because, um, if I would have stayed consistent through like the prime years of Instagram, when it was organically, you could reach organically a lot more than you can now. I probably have a lot bigger platform there too, but it is what it is. That's what I started in like late 2017. And again, I thought, because I, I remember I was, Sal from Mind Pump was like, we were on the phone and he was, because I was, had just started blogging for them. And he was like, dude, you're going to have thousands of people shuttled to your page like every month. Like you're just going to blow up. And I was like, oh, fuck, let's go. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, all right, I'm posting three times a week was like what the starting thing. And it was just like so, so slow. And I think now, even now I have like 2,100. But again, like, I would say like if I could redo it, I don't know if I would do that much different. There was a time, I think it's, and like, again, like where I went back with her is I think it's really like for you as a coach, like looking at what channels seem to be bringing in the most for you current or like where most of your clients seem to be coming from. Right. Like for me, it was very much like there was a clear shift where it was like, okay, I'm posting on Instagram twice a day. Uh, I don't really seem to be getting like new clients all seem to be coming in from Instagram, but like everyone on the phone is saying like they found me through some random Google search. Right. And that's like, as you said, I would say probably 90 to 95% of our clients come from SEO. Right. Again, like very, I have a very small following, but we do super well on Google because we've been writing, I've been writing long form content for what it's like, two and a half years we've had a blog post go out every week right so and it's again like i think that's as you mentioned it's a long game i think short term like 
being present. I think as a coach, if you're trying to go from like, hey, I'm mostly training people in person, I want to be training people online. I think that like there's a bubble of people around you who know you that aren't close enough to you that like if you put out what you're doing, like social media, like on your Facebook, on your Instagram, clients will come from there, right? But then again, like eventually you're going to run out of people that you know. And I think that now, especially with like Facebook and Instagram, getting more reach is so hard that like once you burn, I don't the burn through, that's a terrible way to put that. But like, it's true okay, though. I can, it's true. I mean, like clients, clients, no matter what, the reality is clients come and go, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, like, I think we both have like very long client retention, but still like if it's okay, nine months, a year, like again, for me, I would say like my first year of coaching, my following probably grew 400 people, <laughs> like not very much, right? So again, like you're gonna, like the well's gonna run dry. And that's where like evergreen content, like you said, like the podcast, the blogs, like uh, that's where I think that is so important. And I think that's something that people are really overlooking. Now, also, I think that too, like I would say for like anyone listening, if you are a coach, hopefully I haven't lost everyone that's not a coach, but um, I think it's super helpful again to audit, like where do most of the people seem to be coming from? And then like, okay. That's where I should probably spend a disproportionate amount of my time. Like, I know for me, I was just wasting just because I wanted to like, like someone told me I needed to post on Instagram twice a day. So I was posting on Instagram twice a day where it's like, okay, if I took that time, put it into making the blogs better or like, or like an interesting thing I've noticed lately is like, um, I've stopped doing, we've dropped the podcast down to twice a week. Now the third podcast per week was always just me reading one of the blogs and posting it as a podcast. But still, like a lot less people coming in have been mentioning the podcast because of that. So basically, which makes sense because it's basically like a Q and A and then a guest interview, right? It's never just like me, mm-hmm. like talking, even if it's just me reading a blog. So that's like okay, I know that that's something I need to I should probably implement again. Um, but again, like for uh, for me again, like I would say most people, most people will like will hop on the call, they'll literally start coaching and then follow me on Instagram, which is a weird thing. It's crazy. Um, and I, no matter what, I think I like one of the first things I think to do is like go follow someone on social media. Um, but I, I don't know. Any other thoughts on that? Not, no, not really. I think like the key takeaway, if you're that person who's wanting to transition online, I just think it's important. Like there's a lot of business coaches out there today. And there's these two girls that I just started up with, um, with mentor coaching and they've both come through other like business coaches. I'm not a business coach by any means. I help people on the back end with that sort of thing. But then you've got these people out there that are like helping people grow an online coaching business. And that's what they do for a full-time business. Right. And they're teaching people at this point from what I'm seeing is like that you don't need a website on the back end at all. And you can just build a, a business off of social media. And I think that's very short-sighted and it can work in the short term, but long-term, I think the home to your business is a website with long-form content in terms in terms of podcasts, in terms of if it's YouTube videos, if it's blogs, whatever it is, you're not going to see a lot of return off of that right up front, but that's something that you should stay consistent with in the long-term because at some point, we don't know what's happening with social media, right? Instagram was great for Facebook was great for a long time. Then the organic reach dropped there. Then Instagram was great, great for a long time. The organic reach has significantly dropped there. TikTok is great right now. Who knows when the organic reach is going to drop there, right? But like these places with email lists as well as um, longer form content places, these are things that you're going to have control over forever. And so um, that would be my perspective. Make sure you have a website. Make sure that you're writing some form of long form content if that's blogs, if that's podcasts, if that's YouTube videos, whatever it is, make that a part of your content strategy as much as Instagram or TikTok or any of these other places as well. If you want to be doing this five, 10 years from now. That's part of that. Like hearing that, because that's not something I'd really thought about, but I've seen that a lot as well. And even like my first business coach before I hired Cody McBroom was, that's the same thing they said, but like I'm, and Cody who like we both worked with for a long time. I know he pushed, I think it's like, that's the difference between like a business coach that's giving you this advice versus someone that's actually built a sustainable done coaching business. And like, just like I was saying, like the people whose content we love aren't necessarily the people that actually like have the coaching company that you want, right? Like it's, and like Cody was like, naughty, like 
you this your website needs to be dope like the blogs are a big piece of this long term like the podcast and I, i'm so grateful for that dude because i don't think that i if i didn't have that advice from him I don't think I would have gone that direction, right? Because it again, like most everything you see, and it does make sense, like short term. As I said, like very much like a podcast or a blog. Like it took a year and a half of blogging every week before people started actually like saying that they found me through the blogs, right? Yeah. But again, long term has paid off. But I think like short term, there's like a lot of people that don't know what the hell you do. That like if you just start like talking about your online coaching business and how you can help them and just like understand how to speak to them a little bit better. Clients can come in quickly, but again, it's kind of like a flash in the pan if there's not all these more evergreen things around it. Yeah, 100%. I had another thought that I was just going to say, and it slipped right out of my noggin. So I think we covered it well. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get any questions? Yeah. Um, We'll hop into the first one on my end. Best way to warm up before lifting? There's a lot of opinions on this, so I, I'm excited to hear yours because I know that you've probably had a lot of experience in different ways too. Like, I think of a way of like Cody's programming, how he—I know you worked with him at one point. Like the way that he warms up and like uh, priming specific like muscle groups and whatnot. Um, and then there, there's just a lot of different ways. I'd love to hear your perspective on this. I honestly, hate warming up, dude. <laughs> I think it's one of the things that. Uh, I used to do so much mobility, like 15, 20 minutes of mobility before. And I didn't really, which I would say again, like two to three years ago, mobility was like the hot thing. Whereas I don't, and maybe I just unfollowed all the mobility people, but I don't see it like nearly as much anymore. Whereas like just like doing like random mobility movements, whereas like, are we actually going to see these adaptations without like a load to go along. It's, it's very interesting. I think but that in- like the, the science is kind of like pushing it away. Like it yeah. seems that way in the last while, like the evidence-based community is like, it's not like they're making it seem not as important either. Oh, for sure. And absolutely. And that's like, so I'll say like before, like a lower body day, I, I just feel better if I'll do like a 90, 90 stretch, um, world's greatest stretch from there. Basically what I will do is just, um, before I like squat, if it's a lower body day, I'll do a couple sets of leg curls beforehand. Really. I like to like, okay, so like if I'm going to go into squat or same thing with like upper body, basically we're always, most of the time we're going to be starting with, actually I'll say no matter what, like lower body, I'll do a hamstring curl upper body. I will do a band pull apart, a band face pull, and then like a band low row. And basically just try to get a little bit of a pump. Same thing with hamstrings, like the least scientific thing I could say. This is basically what has come to though for me. And honestly, I'd say it's how I feel best. Like before I was doing like what you were referring to before, where it's like, okay, we have three to four movements. We are going in a circuit. It's going to be like, again, I'm going to very specifically prime like my core, my hamstrings, upper back. Whereas now basically I'll cut out a lot of that and just spend more time than, okay, I've done. Okay, so like when I'm pressing, I know the antagonist muscle is going to be my upper back, my lats. Um, so I'm going to basically do like some band pull-aparts and face pulls, prime those muscles, or same thing with them squatting. Can uh, I ask a question? Can I ask a question to that really quick? Yeah. So like with that, with pumping up the antagonist muscle groups beforehand, right? Like my question with that is like I've never seen – anything research wise to support that do you know what i mean like that there's any benefit like so is it all like um just like in your brain do you know what i mean like it it's pumping some blood in the back end to to support the opposing muscle groups or is there like is there research out there showing anything there is it more anecdotal it's not even like i don't think it's necessary to me it's just something I feel like for me, if I like try to go, if I try to get into my, a problem I make is trying to get into my work sets too quickly. And I feel mm-hmm. like I'm still like kind of sluggish. So for me, it's almost like, it's almost like taking a cold shower, right? Yeah. It's like, fuck, I really don't want to turn this cold water on. I really don't want to do like this warm up set of band pull aparts or like leg curls, but okay, I'm going to do it. And like, okay, now like, okay, like I got a little bit of pump. I feel good. Now I feel like I'm like almost awake, right? Yeah. There's no. I would say it's unnecessary. Honestly, I think that for most people, again, like if you can move through a full range of motion, like safely, then typically from there, I'll just go into like whatever my 
first movement of the day is okay like let's say it's a bench press i'm gonna do like okay so like today i did 90s for nine for my first set so i'll do like 40s for 10 60s for 50s for like eight 70s for four to six acclimating up. what's that just acclimating yeah basically just ramping up um it's probably smart to do i like to do one or two reps with near or this at working weight so like if i'm gonna do a set of seven to ten bench press i'll do like one to two reps let's say i was using the 90 i'll do like one to two reps with the 90 um and again that's basically going to get your nervous system used to the weight so it's not like when i get under it for my work set like oh fuck this is super heavy honestly that's and that's the approach i take with most everything anymore i've i feel better like i feel like i can get a better mind muscle connection the movements are more disruptive if rather than like having all the non-specific stuff that i did before i just spin because when i was doing like because before like the circuits i was doing would take a good like 10 to 15 minutes whereas now if it's like and by that point it's like fuck dude like i don't have that much time to work out i gotta get into work sets whereas now like taking more time with ramp up sets I can get a better mind muscle connection. Like the movement feels so much smoother. Um, it doesn't feel like, like before I would say it almost felt like, like the first one to two sets were kind of just me getting a feel for the movement. Whereas now I feel like I get more out of every set. Yeah. Your take? Um, pretty much the same, like programming for a lot of people. Like that's always one of the big questions is I need, I need more warmups or I need more of this or more of that. When really, in my opinion, you're going to get more out of your working sets when training by by just acclimating slowly up to those working sets. So like for me, when I go into a session at this point, if I'm working upper body, it legitimately at this point, all I'm doing is like some arm swings. Um, if I'm working lower body, I'm doing some leg swings, whatever. It be. <laughs> and then from there, like it's just going in and starting. like, let's say my working sets are with six to or six to 10 reps. Like I'm literally starting with a very light weight at 15 reps and then going increasing the weight and doing 12, increasing the weight a little more, 10, um, eight, like sometimes it's more acclimation sets. If I'm not feeling super well or like not like mentally in it and need a little bit more time, or like if I'm in a hurry and, and want to get in and out, like I'm going in and doing just a little bit of warm up that way, like arm swings, some leg swings, maybe like some hamstring to squats or some bear squats or something, just working through that range of motion and then right to the, um, acclimating sets up to working sets. Cause like for me, full transparency, I've got no need or no desire to be in the gym for 90 minutes. Like my sessions are 45 minutes to 60 minutes. I want to get in, be as efficient as possible and get out at the end of the day. And if I knew that there was a lot of added benefit to like going through a lot of stretches or a lot of priming or anything like that, and it was like proven and shown, I would do it. But I've gone into training in both ways of taking 10 to 20 minutes to warm up as opposed to taking five minutes. And I really haven't seen a difference. Honestly, found myself not that it was probably because of this, but like I have had I've had a lot of banged up shoulders and banged up knees in the past. And it was all when I was spending a lot more time warming up, which it probably I wasn't getting injured because of the warm-ups. I'm just saying like I don't think that warming up is preventing injury in that fashion. Now I definitely think you need to be acclimating up to your working sets um, with a lot lighter weight and just building that up to get to your working sets. And if you're doing that, I think you're killing most or you're you're basically checking all of the boxes because we do want to get our our body temperature elevated a little bit before we lift but if you're acclimating up to your sets like i feel like that's taking care of that for you if you're taking three to four acclimation sets you know what i mean and then you're priming your cns um and then you're ready to roll like for me at the moment i've actually been running i just started running a couple weeks ago um paul carter's app the um the that? it's been dope dude it's it's low volume right so like it's one to two sets on each exercise basically it's one like it's three acclimation sets up to one working set that you're basically taking to failure and then every single week like you're just trying to progressively over, like beat your pr essentially like with one hard set to failure um and then like through the miso you're throwing in more like he'll throw in like some drop sets or a triple drop set. Like the deeper that you get into it, when it gets harder and harder to keep progressing in terms of just overload, he'll throw in some, a more advanced metric like that. So super low volume, which has been different. I'm used to, I've always been more of a low volume type of person to where like two to four sets on most exercises for the most part. And like four sets, I'm not doing very often. I'll always talk myself out of the last ones because don't really want to do it. So now like just to take one set all out, um, I've enjoyed it. Is it like, scientifically the most backed way to train 
maybe not. It's definitely a different stimulus. Like my intensity is definitely a lot higher. So I definitely don't need as much volume. Like I leave the gym with just as good of a pump as when I was doing three to four sets with doing one to two sets. So, um, I really enjoyed it. And again, gets me in and out within like 45 minutes, which that part has been really nice. But again, it's just going in and doing three to four acclimation sets up to one hard set that we're taking basically to, um, mechanical failure. Yeah, dude, Paul's, I mean, Paul's knows this shit very well. And that's, I think that definitely a trend across my training career as well as like to think back now about the vol- amount of volume that I used to do. Like I remember yeah. Laura Bonte was like five sets of t- what it was like 12 to 15 back squat going into like five sets of leg press going into like, it's like, fuck dude. Like now most of my work is two to three work sets. Uh, it's, but it's one I like the I think that is beneficial to also see, and like, of course, towards the end of the mesocycle, cycle, we'll ramp it up closer to like three to four for most movements. But I think it's also beneficial from that to like, okay, I have two sets. I need to get a lot out of these, right? Yeah. So much more like there's so much less room for junk volume there that I think is helpful. Do you feel like you made pretty good gains on that? Yeah. So, so far, man, like, I feel, I feel like I'm bigger now than, um, like, I feel like I've got more muscle mass on my frame right now than I ever have. Really, and, and I was I was real noticing that. Nice, thanks, dude. But um, but yeah, um, like what I've been running on my own before I hopped on his programming was basically I we talked about that in the last part or in the last recordings, I believe, to where I've been running like a wave loading of of like a three week cycle of where start just a little bit shy of failure and each week get closer and reach failure on the third week. Um, as opposed to this is just more keeping everything up at failure on a weekly basis and then dropping all the fatigue after like a four to six week block. Um, but so I've just gotten started on it. I've only ran a couple weeks of it so far, but like my pumps coming out of the gym, my energy levels, my recovery is all just as good. And I've actually enjoyed training this way more rather than like being focused on, okay, did I really leave three reps in the tank? Did I really leave two reps left in the tank? You know what I mean? And then like what I was finding is for basically everyone, man, like even us as advanced trainees, like to truly know if you have one to two reps left in the tank, do you know what I mean? Like I still don't have, I'm still not the best at it. Like I've found, so like I'd be in my second week of a MISO when I was running the three week blocks and I was trying to get to the failure on the third week. Right. When I would go from week two to week three, there would be some exercises where I would get an additional like three to four reps in that third week when I took it to complete failure, meaning that the two weeks prior to that, I was still like, I was probably five to three to five reps shy of failure when I was trying to be one to two reps shy of failure. You know what I mean? So like my bullshit meter for myself, I realized isn't the greatest. And so like in my position, just to take those sets to failure on a weekly basis and just drop volume. And if I can manage recovery and I feel good doing that, like in the long term, for me, I know that again, my bullshit meter when it comes to training close to failure isn't the greatest. So like maybe I'll get more out of it this way because I'll get more productive reps and productive sets um, over the course of like a six month period opposed to like me having to almost guess in a sense, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It is interesting how it works. I'm like on the opposite end of that. I'm always like telling myself that like, <laughs> like I, I hate, you know, it just like haunts me at night. If I'm like, I'm in bed and I'm like, <laughs> was that bicep curl actually? So I'd say like, normally I'm like, <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, this is going to be one RIR. I can probably squeeze out one more and it'll still be one RIR. And then it's like, fuck, okay. That was definitely, I, I surpassed that like two reps ago. Here we are at failure. Yeah. That is one rep ago i i think that like i don't know man it's it's interesting too and i definitely like clients are on one side of the spectrum or the other yeah also where it's like hey we need to like (laughs) because for me then it's like okay i was telling myself week one because how how we program is like or the program i follow currently is like three rar two Mm -hmm. one to two one zero to one right it's like okay week one (laughs) my what was supposed to be with three rar was one rar so by like week three yourself I've been going to failure the last couple of weeks. Like, and that's something I always have to check myself on as well. It's like long game. And, and I yeah. think that's like one of the hardest places to dial it back. But interesting how that works. Have you ever ran low volume like that before? Like what I'm talking about, have you ever thought about that? Or has that ever intrigued you? Or like just because like when it comes to that evidence side of it, like what would be your take on the two? I'd love to hear that. I think it makes sense. I don't think there's any evidence against it by any means. Um, I do think truly like that's a great approach. I think that 
again, it's you have to be very good with your execution. And again, like if you're going to go to if it's going to be like, hey, we have one actual work site, it does probably need to be a failure. But I mean, I think it makes sense. It's basically like, hey, we could do if we're going to go to failure, we need to be careful with the dose. Yeah. But on the flip, and like if we're saying we want to failure, we probably need to actually go to failure. But on the flip side, we can get a little bit less stimulus, do like more sets. But I don't think there's necessarily one or the other that's better. Um, leg days sound terrible like that, I would say. Yeah, I um, I haven't even – the first leg day is tomorrow. So I started the programming last week, like midweek through the MISO. Um, mm-hmm. This is the second week that I'm into it. Um, and I finished it last week on like two of the upper body days, a push and a pull. And then I've done a push today. I've actually done a push and a pull this week already. So I've got the first quad dominant leg day. Um, How many days a week is it? Tomorrow. So it's it's basically like he's got you running on like almost like an eight to nine day cycle. So like a push. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like it's a, it's a push, pull legs, push, pull legs, but on an eight or nine day. Eight or nine day cycle throughout it. Yeah. And then like, the yeah, exactly. So it's interesting. But um, I've been, yeah, I've enjoyed it so far. There's a lot of ways to go about it. I would say training like that with low volumes and for it to be effective, I think that you do need to be more advanced in your exercise execution, just as you said, needs to be like Mm -hmm. on point. You need to know how to activate or just target the muscles that you're trying to target in those sets because you have less chance at um, stimulation, right? And so like for beginners, not something that I'd ever really program, but like for people that are very comfortable in the gym and know how to, um, how to move their body correctly. Um, it can be a good approach if, if it's something that excites you. I, I love it, man. I agree. You know, you have a decent bit more questions. Um, I got a couple more. Cool. You want to make two podcasts here? Sure. So, all right, team, we will talk to y'all soon.